Welcome to the Wanting to Wealthy podcast, where we approach financial education in unconventional ways. My name is Ashley Hogan, and if you are looking for a different path to reach your financial goals, you are in the right place. Let's get started. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this interview, but before we get started, just a couple of things. First, I wanted to let you know that I am hosting a protections workshop on the fourth Thursday of every month, and that is any type of protection you might need for your family. On July 28th, uh, we will be talking about identity theft protection. And these are free workshops hosted at 7 p.m. on the fourth fourth Thursday of the month. And the link for that will be in the show notes. Or you can find it in my bio at instagram.com slash wanting to wealthy. Direct access to me through live Q&As. First access to choose what topics I talk about on the podcast and will help me reach my goal to create a scholarship program so that more people will be able to sooner in life. With that, please let me introduce you to my guest this week, Fawn Teets. Fawn is passionate about helping people be gluten-free. As a gluten-free mentor, she helps people start or maintain a medically necessary gluten-free diet. As a previous food cart owner, she believes in delicious, fun, sustainably sourced food. Being gluten-free is a celebration, not a sentence. Have access to financial resources. Second, I would like to ask for your support with this podcast by doing one of a few different things. You could share this podcast with someone you think might enjoy it or find value from it. You can leave a review where you listen to the podcast. You can uh, also visit patreon.com slash wanting to wealthy and you can become a patron. Patrons of the Wanting to Wealthy podcast, get uh, inside information on when new events will be coming up, discounts and pre-orders for such events. Um, Her children inspire her in everything she does. She lives in Oregon with her husband, children, cats, and chickens. All right. Thank you so much for joining uh, me, Fawn on the podcast I really wanted to bring you on because you are kind of my go-to person about all things gluten-free and when we have to eat in a certain lifestyle that can freak us out like especially in a financial sense so I would love to just explore that more with you today and and um talk about having to eat within a restriction without um without going broke doing it. (laughs) So when the doctor says that you have to eat gluten-free, you know, um, or that you've made that decision, it can be so daunting because it's such a huge lifestyle change. And I just don't feel like the financial part of it has to be this big worry that we all have. Mm -hmm. And because it really is so easy to eat gluten-free you know, without going over any budget. I think that one of the biggest problems and the biggest barriers to eating gluten-free inexpensively is all of the processed food that's out there. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, just the general American diet is so saturated with 
chips and cookies and crackers and breads and all of these other products that, you know, I, I don't even think that I can name all of the different types of products because we haven't had them in so long. Uh, things for kids like um, goldfish crackers or those uncrustable sandwiches. It's all so processed. And mm-hmm. when, when they use wheat in these processed foods, it's easy to store it, to make it. Mm-hmm. And these foods can sit around for such a long time before we fold that it makes it so inexpensive. So when you talk about eating whole foods, we talk about eating a lot more expensive. And we're not even, when we're talking about whole foods, we're not even talking about a special diet, a gluten-free diet or dairy-free, vegan, vegetarian. We're not even talking about that. We're just talking about actual foods, foods that haven't been processed and sitting around in the past, right? So I think that's one of the biggest barriers to all of this. And so one thing that we should really be looking at when we go food-free is really going to those whole foods, buying ingredients and not buying end products. So, so is your, tell us about your business and how your business relates to what you're just talking about. Yeah, so uh, I own a website called Sweet and Savory Time. Time is spelled like the herb. And uh, what my whole goal there is to make gluten-free be easy mm-hmm. and make people feel confident about me. And so I have recipes up there from my gluten-free food part. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also have a lot of just lifestyle. There's things that change after you have Mm -hmm. So just all the different ways that this can manifest. And one of those is this financial aspect. You know, when you are told you have to keep gluten-free, that fear of the finances. And I was actually just looking at some um, at some numbers, and the cost of eating a gluten-free diet is actually going down. Nice. It used to be well over two hundred percent more expensive to eat a eat gluten-free product, and they're talking about gluten-free products specifically, not mm-hmm. eating these whole foods and stuff. Um, but now it's down to eighty-seven percent more expensive. Actually, uh-huh. the late, that was the latest that I found and that was two years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And and like you said, that is um specifically if you're eating gluten bread and now you go to gluten free bread as opposed to eating whole foods. Exactly. So what's the process for someone like when when I was diagnosed, I found somebody else who I knew was gluten free and um went, okay, what do I do? (laughs) <laughs> and and then I kept making mistakes because I didn't know that gluten was in things like salad dressings. You know, I think that, I honestly think that the most important thing that people do when they're going gluten-free is to start. Yeah. Start imperfectly, embrace the imperfection of the mm-hmm. process. You know, I just found out something and had gluten in it uh, two days ago that I had no idea that it had gluten. Mm-hmm. 
I'm still finding new things. There's too many products out there and too many ways of doing it that you just can never know. So you have to just embrace the not knowing, go mm-hmm. with what you do know, and learn how to figure it out as it's so long. Mm-hmm. Learn how to not beat yourself up in the process. You know, you're going to make mistakes, and that's part of the process too. Mm-hmm. Well, I like that you said to just start and be imperfect because you get this, this idea that, okay, I'm going to change my diet. So I have to throw away all the food and that's an expense that you've already put out that you have in your, in your fridge. And then, okay, now I have to go buy more food, but it may or may not be in your budget, but you're saying we can do that slowly. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you just went and bought groceries, uh-huh. go through the loaf of bread that you have while eating gluten-free in other ways. You know, when I started eating gluten-free, I was 28 years old. Mm-hmm. So I had 28 years of eating gluten. Is another week gonna make another difference with the bread? It's probably not gonna make a huge amount of difference. So, and if you really want to, and I, I absolutely get this way, you know, I find a new thing. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to start it. I'm going to do the whole thing. But it doesn't have to be um, that you are eating it either. Mm-hmm. So if you, at the time that I went gluten-free, I had a child and husband in my family. So there were two other people in the household. And so my husband could easily eat the rest of the bread by himself while I go to other less expensive ways of eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what happened in our family too. I was the only one that went gluten-free. And then over time, we see a gluten uh, intolerance in my son. And then we've just systematically found replacements for like pasta and stuff like that, that everybody likes. And so we've just kind of had them go gluten-free, even though it wasn't ever an intentional thing. Yeah, I... I kind of, um, I went gluten-free for my son, so because it was just the three of us in the house and I was the main cook, after my husband kind of ate up all the gluten in the house, mm-hmm. I wasn't really going shopping for gluten. I wasn't cooking gluten and I wasn't stopping him from it, mm-hmm. but he didn't want to cook for himself either. <laughs> right. So it just naturally happened that way. and. You know, I think that a lot of families do tend to go all the way gluten-free because it's so much more convenient (laughs) to Mm -hmm. not have to, you know, especially if you have people in the family that are children who tend to want their own special meals anyway. Mm -hmm. So making one meal or I mean sometimes I make two meals one for the adults and one for the children if we want something that actually you know is nice um (laughs) so it's just easier to do it like that and then of course after time we learn about cross-contamination um that's the just you can be flour in the air Mm. the contamination of food so it's really not recommended for a um, for someone who is sensitive to cross contamination, such as someone with celiac disease, mm-hmm. or like that, um, to 
in the kitchen or around places where they're using flour. Mm-hmm. And so that can get to be really difficult. And personally, I felt like I had some paranoia even sort of taking over when we had gluten in the house and the mental state that I was able to have after having a totally gluten-free house was so much better with that. And so it's the, so sometimes, you know, when we're talking about the financial part of going gluten-free, part of it can be, hey, only one person needs to be gluten-free in your household. Let's just have that one person be gluten-free and that makes it easier. And it can make it so you don't have to purchase all of the products. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there is being making separate meals. There's, um, you know, purchasing whole two whole separate eating styles, mm-hmm. and that can actually get to be more expensive depending on how it's done. Yeah, yeah, and and do you think that money relates to the way people eat in general? Aside from the fact, if they have a, a diagnosed way that they need to eat yeah absolutely i mean i don't i don't know you know anyone really that goes grocery shopping and doesn't take a look at the prices even Mm -hmm. when it's unconscious we're going to be going oh this is more expensive this is less expensive they look exactly the same so i'm going to just try this off brand yeah right and so we who knows what the difference is between some of the some of the things but yeah, it is really hard to see these gluten crackers on the shelf for 99 cents and then pay $4 for these gluten-free crackers. Mm-hmm. And that's not an unusual price difference, unfortunately. Right. Right. But but then it comes right back to what you said about eating whole instead of processed foods. If you just don't buy the crackers at all and you buy something, fruits, extra fruits or extra vegetables or something, then it becomes less uh price difference right and the fresh fruits and vegetables can have if you're not already purchasing a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables Mm -hmm. and you and your diet is consisting mostly of processed food Mm -hmm. then you are going to see a price increase Mm -hmm. and there's no real way around that now one thing that i highly recommend for people is to get a pressure cooker yeah. Because you can get um, beans, dry mm-hmm. beans, rice. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's even things like potatoes are a very inexpensive way. Mm-hmm. And um, I forgot what the name, they just changed their name, but it's a restaurant supply store in the Pacific Northwest called, it uh, used to be called Cash and Carry, and then it was Smart Food Service. But they don't require you to own a restaurant or be have any sort of business in order to go into their store. Nice. And I have bought like a fifty pound bag of dry beans is like twenty dollars. Whoa. So you can find and so obviously that's going to last you a really long time. Yeah. But there's I got kidney beans when I did mm-hmm. I only wanted to get one kind. That's a lot of beans. Yeah. And so I can make baked beans in my instant pot now. Mm-hmm. You know, just like um, make up the sauce and things while it's, I mean, and it takes under an hour mm-hmm. to make baked beans from dry. You don't even have to like soak them. Or and 
you know, you can make up rice mm -hmm. in there. And rice, I've actually found, is a really good replacement for pasta in a lot of things. Because gluten-free pasta, if you put it in something like soup or any kind of sauce, and you leave it to sit for a day or two, it really absorbs that moisture. And so it will just pop up. You'll think that you have only just a little bit of pasta in your soup. And the next day it's going to be pasta with some sauce. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The rice-based ones, I noticed that a lot. The the chickpea ones do a little better, but we almost always use rice for that exact reason. Yeah. Uh, my favorite blends for um, gluten-free pasta are rice and quinoa. Oh, Okay. Yeah. yeah, and quinoa is a complete protein too, which is nice. Yeah, I also, I, I don't remember the cost on it, but um, recently I saw that Costco had edamame noodles mm, and mm -hmm. they were very good and they were so easy to make. I'm glad I read the directions um, because all you're supposed to do is put them into boiling water and turn off the heat. Oh, wow. Okay. For like three minutes. Mm-hmm. So they're a really fast and easy way to do that. I just told the kids that I dyed the noodles green. <laughs> and then they ate them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually put a little uh, a little natural food, uh, green food coloring into uh -huh. the water to show them. Uh -huh. so they, that's why they thought they were green. The food coloring didn't do anything. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you can make noodles out of so many different things. Obviously, mm -hmm. there's like the, the zucchini noodles that you mm -hmm. can do. A favorite in my house in the fall and winter is yeah. spaghetti squash yeah. noodles. That's always really great. Um, but, I mean, I don't know where people are that are listening to your podcast, but you really should look at these different restaurant supply stores mm -hmm. because now they do have larger quantities than say Costco, but they also have uh, more basic supplies mm -hmm. than Costco. So you're going to be able to find those huge bags of rice and yeah. beans. giant bag of potatoes. That's like, you know, I don't know, like a 30 pound bag of potatoes for under $10. Nice. You know, and and all the things you're talking about are things that are, if stored properly, are not going to go bad. Right. And potato, I personally have an issue with potatoes going bad. Mm -hmm. but, um, that was because I was storing them next to my onions. Um, ah. But uh, yes, so if you, if you do store all of these things the proper way, mm -hmm. then they will last for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And you may need to take that 50 pound bag of beans home and grab some, you know, two gallon Ziplocs and, you know, store those away so mm -hmm. that they're not open to the air or anything. But it's yeah. really not that, it's really not that difficult to do that. And the amount that you can save mm -hmm. is really great. And, uh, and even if you've got one, if you're on a really tight budget, Mm -hmm. and you only were able to afford say one bulk item a month mm -hmm. go in and get a bag of rice one month yeah. and then go in and get a bag of beans another month because mm -hmm. these things are going to be something that can last you like a year yeah even when used on a very regular basis yeah yeah 
I, and we have we have four adults in my house and a 50 pound bag of rice takes us close to a year to go through and we eat rice a lot multiple days a week <laughs> yeah so it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be all or nothing it doesn't have to be right the second it, it it is a progressive thing that can still fit within your budget and it's not like a budget ending thing if you get told you need to be gluten-free or dairy-free or whatever absolutely Even yeah if it takes you a month or two to transition mm-hmm. from what you're eating into eating gluten-free mm-hmm. you know then that's what it is unless you are dealing with something that is a very immediate thing that is a situation that you have going on and you're not right you this is really dangerous and you need to stop this like right obviously listen to your doctor on that right but for most people who are transitioning to gluten-free mm-hmm. anything that they do is going to be better than what they have been doing yeah any change they make anything that they are taking out of their diet that had gluten in it is going to be making a positive change for them yeah yes. people with celiac any any at all that gets into their system is going to hurt them but if they were already eating it Mm-hmm. then what is a few more meals yeah especially if those few more meals say that you know um let's say for example that someone realizes that they have celiac, so then they take and they just pick off the um pizza toppings for example mm-hmm. and just eat those mm-hmm. that's still going to have some gluten in them yeah that's not something that celiac say but when you're first starting, just saying, you know what? I know that that mm-hmm. pizza crust has gluten in it. And so I'm only going to eat the toppings of it. Yeah. That to reduce your exposure. Huge yeah. improvement. Yeah. And then later on, they realize, oh, that really isn't safe. But again, it's all about making mistakes and learning from them and mm-hmm. not putting yourself up. Yeah. And that's what I, I remember going to KFC shortly after uh, I decided to go gluten-free because I was not diagnosed with celiacs. I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and most Hashimoto's patients um, from everything I've read do a heck of a lot better without gluten. And I'm totally one of them. And I've come to find out had a, a low grade um, skin reaction to gluten my entire life. And we just didn't know that that's what it was, but I went to KFC and I'd been so long since I'd been to KFC that I didn't know they didn't do the grilled chicken anymore. And so I got the least breaded stuff I could. And then I took all the breading off. It wasn't perfect. I know I was getting cross-contamination, but it was better than eating the breading and giving myself a migraine and giving myself stomach pain and doing all of the, the extra things that would have happened. Right. And definitely later on, someone who is gluten intolerant or mm-hmm. who has any, you know, it seems like most autoimmune conditions mm-hmm. are, are being told to go gluten right now. And so, you know, later on, that probably would have given you a lot worse reaction. Definitely. At first. But when you're making the lifestyle changes, and the lifestyle changes you have to make with going gluten free are so huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that it, it's okay to realize that when you're out and you've ordered your food, this isn't something that I can eat anymore. And then say, pick around and eat what you can. Yeah. And you're probably not going to hurt yourself too much there. Mm-hmm. But 
as you go through, you're going to learn how to do things in a different yeah. way. Yeah, and you're totally right. When you've been gluten-free for a while, the mis- a small mistake has a bigger reaction. Because I've been gluten-free for two years now. And now if there's cross-contamination, my body registers it a lot quicker. But I was 32 when I stopped eating gluten. And it took the better part of a year or so before it was really the the small exposures were starting to cause a problem because we were getting it all out of our system, out of our house, out of my body reacting to it for so many years. Yeah, I've actually, I've been gluten-free for eight years by the time the podcast comes out. Uh Um, And there's been a lot of things, like I said, I'm eight years in and I just learned something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And you are going to find these things out. Um, for me, the, the thing that I just found out was that cigarettes can have gluten in them. What? <laughs> things that you're not even going to think about, right? Right. So, so they actually use wheat paste to close the filters uh, on some brands. Of I'm not a smoker, so it's not something I even about right. but it's something to consider mm-hmm. it's the one that it is mm-hmm. and things that people don't realize are things like that don't seem like they would have gluten in them for example red vines or twizzlers those have gluten mm-hmm. in them. Uh, there's a lot of different candies mm-hmm. that um, i think good and plenty is one of them and they mm-hmm. have gluten in it um you know uh, a surprising one to a lot of new to gluten-free people is soy sauce. Yes, yeah, soy sauce. Um, salad dressing was the one that got me. A lot of salad dressings have gluten in it. Yeah. And it's also just used and hidden under a lot of names. Mm-hmm. And so it can, mm-hmm. it can just take a while before you can really recognize on the labels things. It can even be in things like um, natural flavorings. Mm-hmm. If something says natural flavors on it, it may or may not be gluten-free, and you shouldn't have it unless it says that it is certified gluten-free. Yeah, and certified gluten-free is a label on food products from the FDA, correct? Yes, and when that label is on something, it means that that food product, that they actually test this product Mm -hmm. to be 20 parts per million gluten or less. Okay. Because it's that 20 parts per million gluten that really, um, that will start activating like celiac symptoms. Gotcha. Some people do have um, a problem with less than that. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that have, they refer to their diet as gluten zero. Gotcha. Because they try as hard as possible to have that at, at absolute zero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's important to also realize that there are gluten-free products that, so some people might be listening to this and they associate themselves with gluten-free because they have a wheat allergy. Mm-hmm. Now there can be gluten-free products out there that are labeled certified gluten-free because they have lower than a certain amount of gluten in them, mm-hmm. but are made from wheat starch. Gluten-free wheat starch has less than 20 parts per million gluten. But people who are sensitive to gluten or have a, or who are sensitive to wheat or have a wheat allergy will react to that. Mm-hmm. 
and that can be really dangerous. Um, a really big brand that uses this is Char brand products. Okay. Torch in there, and um, there's a couple of pizzas that have been coming out lately. I'm using it. They have gluten starch in them. Gotcha. And so even when something is labeled gluten free, you mm -hmm. do not. And I realized 30 minutes into this that we should probably uh, tell the people the difference between what gluten is and how it relates to wheat. Yeah, so um, gluten is actually a protein inside the wheat grain. Mm -hmm. okay. So what I was, so wheat starch is not including that grain. It, it, so it's, it's not including that inside of that grain mm -hmm. the gluten all the stuff around it yeah and so then you're not going to have the gluten in that wheat starch so that that gluten is inside of there now gluten does this amazing thing when you're baking with it right it makes this beautiful stretchy thing you know that whenever i think of gluten i just imagine the pizzeria guy who's like tossing the pizza up in the air Mm -hmm. If you did that with a gluten-free pizza, as soon as it came down, it would go all over through your fingers and onto the ground. <laughs> yep. Or else it would just fly all over the walls. So that gluten is what holds it together. It's what allows it to stretch out when you toss it. But it also doesn't go through your fingers when you catch it. <laughs> and... Um, so this is also what happens when you have bread as well. So you need the bread and you're activating that gluten. Mm -hmm. um, and it can have these really great things. That's why bread products in particular are so difficult because the gluten in those mm -hmm. is what makes the texture and makes how they work. Now, I've been able to do some really amazing things that mimic it very, very well. Mm -hmm. uh, now, what I have found is that people are very into their wheat and into their food, and they don't like to be told this, but gluten actually is worse in some products. Oh. Like, in how it works. Yeah. Uh -huh. Because that gluten, so what, you're, what it does is it wants to be stretchy, right? Mm -hmm. It wants to be soft and stretchy and everything, which is great in bread that you're kneading and wanting mm -hmm. to do all that. In a cake, you don't really want your cake to be chewy. Yeah. So that can be a problem. That makes sense. When you are frying things. I have found the very best place to have gluten-free stuff is in the fryer because you're usually using um, tapioca and rice. These are the, the major parts of the plants that you're going to be frying, right? Um, and like there's rice panko and stuff. Rice has a much higher um, temperature that it burns at. So it doesn't turn brown. So what, what that means for when we're frying things is say we're having some, you know, fried chicken or something. Well. When you're frying that, it means that the chicken has longer to cook. Mm -hmm. That makes Sometimes sense. when you're cooking these things, like you don't want to let the outside burn, but then the inside is raw. So you have, it gives you more flexibility and more time on that. It mm -hmm. also just doesn't have the 
um, because the rice and tapioca doesn't want to do the stretchy thing Mm -hmm. that the gluten has in it, it becomes crispy and Mm. stays crispy so much easier. Nice. So much easier. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just amazing to Mm. be able to have all of these great things. I actually have a, a whole blog post about all of that. So uh, maybe we can. Yeah, send me the link for that one and we'll get it in the show notes. Um, It's just about how how why gluten-free flour is actually better than wheat flour. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. What what other things do you address in in your blog? Um, So I do have a lot of recipes and these recipes Mm -hmm. are all from the food cart. Um, at this point okay and um just other things that i've written about are like the history of wheat and Mm -hmm. how that impacts who we are i also just have a lot of articles there is something gluten-free for example Mm -hmm. is imitation crab meat gluten-free sometimes you're in a situation where you just you don't have a product label Uh uh-huh and so you have to look up is this type of thing something that's usually gluten-free? Imitation crab meat is not gluten-free. Well, that's good to know. I can't eat it anyways because imitation <laughs> crab meat has crab in it, and I'm allergic yeah. to shellfish, so it's not really so. an imitation. But <laughs> well, no, you know, I didn't there's know. a lot of things like that. Um, veggie pasta. Mm-hmm. Just because it says veggie pasta doesn't mean it's only made with veggies or it doesn't have any gluten in it right so we have to be careful about those sort of things and so you know i'm just trying to write about what people are looking for mm-hmm. i'm trying to write about what what is it that you need to know when you're starting what is it that you need to know as you're going through mm-hmm. um, i write about gluten-free grief this process of going gluten-free and I was going to ask about that yeah all those things Mm -hmm. yeah yeah (laughs) I don't have much up on that quite yet but um it's a thing though yeah if if it's if anybody's in listening that that is going to be going gluten-free or thinking about it like it's a real freaking deal like because my favorite thing before this was pastries and things like this and I had to kind of recondition my brain on things that I liked and go through that grief process yeah our society is so intertwined with um with how we socialize yes with food yes just try to think right now anyone who's listening here just take a second and think Mm -hmm. When is the last time that you went to a social gathering that did not include any type of food? Most of the time I don't eat said food anymore because of the gluten issue, but it's always there. It's always there. Yeah. Because all of our, so when we're going gluten free, mm-hmm. it's so hard to go to these social things again. Yeah. It can be so easy to isolate ourselves. Yes. Which actually brings me to a point of in our financial talk here about being gluten-free and how things are more expensive if you have all this processed food and you're going to end up getting some of the processed food. Yeah, of course. Once in a while. Yeah. But you don't have to make it be the majority of what we eat. Yeah. But 
being gluten-free has another benefit in the finances Mm -hmm. because we can't go out and eat really that much anymore. It's really hard to. And so it is so much more expensive to eat out. And so just by going Mm gluten-free, you are actually saving a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I would actually really love to do a study. Maybe I will ask I would love to do a study on mm-hmm. how much people are spending on groceries mm-hmm. and how much they're spending on eating out gluten versus gluten-free. Yeah. yeah. Because I really think that um, there's a lot of money that we're saving by not being able to eat out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's for me, it, going out to eat was anxiety inducing because it was okay are they going to have a gluten-free menu? And if they do, um, can I, do I want to eat any of those things? And if they don't, then, okay, what things are typically safe? And I did this just a couple months ago. I went, well, burgers are typically safe. The place we went used breadcrumbs in their burger to help bind it. And I didn't ask. And some places will use pancake batter in their eggs. Yeah. To make them fluffy. Yeah. And that is something that is not typically known. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually got anxiety from going out to eat to the point where we here in, in the Willamette Valley have a couple of really awesome places to eat. But for me, I've got to drive at least 45 minutes to get to either one of them. But it's that it makes the treat even more special at that point. And it's really, really fun to be able to go into that place and know that no matter what I pick, I can eat it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There's a place in Eugene. There's a bakery in Eugene. There's a bakery in Portland. And then there's Eats and Treats out in Philomath. Mm-hmm. Um, and know, Homegrown Oregon and Oregon. Yeah, and Homegrown, of course. We just went out to the coast this last weekend and mm-hmm. stopped through Eats and Treats and grabbed mm-hmm. a picnic to go. I mean, it's just one of those, like, it's a really super special thing. To yes. be able to go in and eat out. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I would definitely order Chinese food more often. Yeah. <laughs> if I could eat Chinese food, I yeah. would order Chinese food. I would spend so much more on that. And yeah, we would spend less on our groceries, mm-hmm. partly because we're eating out. Yeah. Partly because we're, you know, if we go out to Chinese food, we're mm-hmm. going to have leftovers for, you know, yeah. two days. Yeah. Uh, and so then you don't need to have as many groceries, but you also <laughs> are spending quite a bit more on those. Correct. Correct. So I think that that's actually a big benefit to going gluten-free um, financially as well. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. And I think that, that, if you're in my position where the idea of cooking every single night is pretty uh, overwhelming, um, we meal prep everything over the weekend. So then it's everything's ready to go and it takes like three hours to make all of our meals for the whole week. And so then it's not taking more time than say if you were someone who did buy a, a lot of processed things and now you're having to um 
roast your your spaghetti squash before you scrape it so then you have noodles as opposed to just going and sticking processed noodles in the pot like some things can sound like they're going to take more time but if if you set aside and we do it as a family so my two-year-old has a stool and and his own little knife and we work together and it's a it's a thing for us to all be in the kitchen together to get everything done and so now it's an event that's not taking more time and saving us money and we're healthy uh, benefits out of it too. And I actually just wrote an article about this as well, but when it comes to kids that are gluten-free, mm-hmm. um, so my my now eight-year-old is gluten-free and has been since he was a year old mm-hmm. uh, because of some pretty dramatic medical things that happened. And so, uh, I think that it's really important when they start getting to this age. I mean, yours is just two. Yeah. Uh, but when it's really to give them the power. Yes. Over their diet. And so that doesn't mean saying, oh, you can just eat whatever you want. That is saying, teach them what gluten-free is. Yeah. Teach them how to eat gluten-free. What typically is gluten-free? If they're going to school and going to a friend's house or whatever and say, look for a banana or an orange so that you can peel it and then there's not any cross-contamination. Yeah. You know, knowing the things that are the safest thing mm-hmm. to have, knowing things, what is typically gluten-free, and even starting them young, you know, at, I think that my son, the first time he asked about, is this gluten-free, I think he was four years old. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, it's really cute and little kids. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and we, but, and, and that you know. goes for, for any sort of sensitivity, not just for gluten. Yes. Like my son's allergic to garlic. So he asks us, is this Bubba safe? And that means that there's no garlic in it. He's two and a half. And he already knows yeah. that that's something that we have to talk about. And, and for kids, it can be hard because what do we do after sports? We go to pizza parlors and now the gluten-free kids can't eat there and the garlic free kid can't eat there or a dairy free kid can't eat there so then learning how to um how they need to move within those societal things that we do exactly yeah and just and by giving them the power to say like these are the things that are typically yes you know looking for an orange that you can peel yourself yes so that you know that there's no cross-contamination on the knife or the cutting board and so those that's going to be the safest thing to do but also knowing that typically cheddar cheese a slice of cheddar cheese that's going to be fine yeah typically cheddar cheese is fine but the knife that it's cut on and the cutting board and all of that is going to be less safe and so having that as a number two option and so just going through those and as they are getting older and as they are learning about all of these things and really mm-hmm. giving them that sort of a power still asking is this gluten-free and still being able to have that open line of communication on knowing that and being able to they call you up as they get older to check on something yeah. or how to look something up online yeah um it's really important i think that it's really powerful for kids as well because they can get a lot of anxiety around everything yeah yeah and i think as the kids get older we can teach them how to cook and and then they become 
more empowered as uh, young adults as well, because they know not only what they can eat, but how to make a lot of things where maybe, for example, my husband, I taught him to cook when he was in his early 20s, because if it didn't come out of a box, he didn't know how to cook it. He wasn't taught. And so his diet was actually, his budget was actually way higher than mine because I could cook my own food and he couldn't. And so just from that empowering standpoint that they have the ability to cook their own food um, because they've been in the kitchen with us for all these years learning these things. Yeah, absolutely. I got my kids some, uh, my, my oldest has some major um, fine motor delays. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but even he is able to go into the kitchen and help cut things up. Yeah. I got these plastic knives that mm-hmm. are just kid safe knives and they even come with like a cutting glove. Oh, so wow. Nice. It's, um, it's really, it, it can be really safe. It's mm-hmm. not something that you have to give your kid a sharp knife. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my kids are learning how to you know, take the peanut butter out of the jar and put it yeah. on the sandwich and the jelly. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that's really easy to do, but they also made it themselves. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they love that. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing that they are capable and able to do, do things for themselves. Is really for sure. For sure. So um, did your, the way, did your relationship with money or how you use money change uh, significantly when you went gluten-free aside from we talked about uh, restaurant versus versus just buying your own food did it change in any other ways um yeah you know I think I became a lot more aware after mm-hmm. going gluten-free of the cost of everything I don't think I even really paid attention to how much is bread yeah I just started seeing bread for seven dollars going I know that's not right <laughs> right you know, um, so I don't really think, and because I went gluten-free for my youngest, mm-hmm. who was under a year old when mm-hmm. we did go gluten-free, that it really coincided with um, going with stop working out of the side of the house. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the point where I, I did end up quitting my job mm-hmm. and staying home and also adding a new person into our family. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a it, lot of financial a lot changes. Of changes all at once. And yeah. So, um, you know, it really feels more like that whole time period. Uh-huh. And we actually, um, pretty soon, uh, a, a year after we went gluten-free, we sold our house because it was just too expensive for us to stay. Uh-huh. And we moved outside of town. The house cost the same price as the other one, uh-huh. but the taxes were so much less. <laughs> and the, uh, and all like the extras they add on to mortgages and stuff. Yes. To be able to do a USDA loan outside yeah. of town. Yeah. And so it just, it cut, I think that we cut $400 a month mm-hmm. off of our budget by moving just outside of town mm-hmm. at the same price house. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's going to be different for each area in whatnot. I know oh, down yeah. <laughs> you're still, you're still, um, no, you're in Lane County now, right? I am. Yeah. yeah so we you're were. In Lane County. So we were in Eugene, uh-huh. and then we had the more expensive house. Then we moved outside of town. Out, uh-huh. We're not in any little city either. We're um, yeah. unincorporated. Lane yeah. 
Nice, nice. So the taxes are much lower. But you yeah. have to pay for things like the library. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I found that out when I moved. We bought our property outside of town. They're like, oh, no, you don't pay city taxes. So you need to pay $50 to use the library for the year. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but um so do you talk to your um kiddos as they are starting to get a little older about um money and costs of things yeah actually um something that we've been doing recently is um we've been doing these punch cards i just got them on amazon uh-huh. and they have you put their name on them and i put five dollars Mm-hmm. Uh, so each time they get a punch card, there's 10 punches on it, they get that. And each of them has separate things that they get to earn. Mm-hmm. One that's potty training, but she doesn't. <laughs> she goes mm-hmm. into that toilet on her own. Oh, right. yes, she gets some punches on there. Right? <laughs> um, but for my son, you know, it's like he gets a punch for finishing school. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gets a punch for... Um, you know, finishing the chore chart that mm-hmm. he's got and some other things like that. And so they earn $5 every time they finish one of those. So it's mm-hmm. not, the the goal was that they will get one every week by yeah. finishing those punch cards, as long as they're doing what they're supposed to do. Nice. And then they get to turn those in for and purchase things. Mm-hmm. Right now, my son is saving up for a new controller, a new Xbox controller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He needs one and a half more punch cards, so we're almost yeah. there. So he's definitely starting to learn that sort of thing. And he can also spend it on, you know, Minecraft yeah. or games. Or, yeah. Uh, I, I do have a rule with it, though, and that is that we do not spend it on food. I don't think it's healthy to have um, food-based rewards. Mm-hmm. We were talking. So we were talking a little bit ago about how there's all this processed food, mm-hmm. right? And the whole relationship with food. Yeah. And also how just all of our social interactions mm-hmm. are all the way around food. And yes. I just, and I think that part of this gluten-free thing, there's so many people coming out with allergies to all these different things, like garlic, you know, yeah. bell peppers even. And you know, and I think that just trying to move away from food as social mm-hmm. and as rewards mm-hmm. is really important. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we use my, my son's potty training right now and he gets, um, he gets pennies when he keeps his pull up dry. And he loves that because he, he watches Mickey Mouse and Mickey Mouse often will trade on the Mickey Mouse Club show. They'll trade um, pennies or coins or buttons for, for items. So they're learning that monetary exchange, um, but they always have to get it out of their piggy bank. So he told me one time he needed a penny for his piggy bank and he didn't have a piggy bank. So we had to go get one. <laughs> but he was learning that concept from Mickey Mouse. And so now he's, do you want to earn a penny for, for keeping your pull up dry? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. He hasn't, he hasn't spent any of them yet. He doesn't know what to, what I haven't given him the the chance to spend any of them. Um, but I'm not sure that at two and a half, he would really know how to make a good choice on that. Yeah, I used to do, like, the punch card could be $5, or mm-hmm. it could be 
going to Dairy Queen and getting a dilly bar. Which yeah. are free, by the way, the ones that are wrapped up and <laughs> everything. But it can be, so I was doing that, but then I was really noticing. So especially in my daughter, she was really becoming focused on uh, just on food and on, oh, look, there's Dairy Queen. We're going to go buy it. Let's go to it. And just was becoming so focused on all of that. And I just didn't. And I just thought, you know, let's just cut that out. Let's just, you know, there's so many other things that we can do. We, we don't need to have rewards be food. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, so you guys do, and I like that you're having your son save for his controller. Like, that's a hard thing to do at, what did you say, eight years old? Yeah, and, and it really um, makes sure, because kids change their minds so much, that that's something he really wants, because he's going to save for many weeks on that, correct? Yes, his current controller, he, uh, he, he kind of likes to chew on things, and uh-huh. ends up, so he kind of ends up doing that. And so he chewed on the controller, it used to be mine, mm-hmm. after he... So it drifts really badly. Ah. <laughs> and so he's very, very much wanting to save up for that controller. Mm-hmm. The controller that he wants is $59. This is not an insignificant amount for any Right, right. He has, um, he has some money that we we uh, found some Amazon cards that uh-huh. were Christmas gifts. <laughs> and so he got some of that and then he had some punch cards. And so, uh-huh. yeah, he, he's saving up and he knows Nope, I don't want to spend it on anything else. I want that controller. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he's really been working hard at that. Nice. And and a lot of kids will, will take care of things better when he has had to work so hard to get that item. Yeah, that's what we're hoping to. Yeah, uh, that's sometimes awesome. Sometimes he, he kind of, um, you know, he kind of does things without thinking about it, mm-hmm. without realizing he's doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're hoping that, that that controller is going to be his. He's going to have earned that. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our electronics in the house, we definitely say, nope, those belong to mom and dad. You get to use those. Yeah. <laughs> but this is going to be his because he earned it. That's awesome. Yeah. And and hopefully he'll, he'll take care of it and he'll have that sense of pride that he took care of this. He purchased this item, saved this item, and is now taking taking care of said item as well that's awesome um well thank you so much this has been an awesome conversation we can definitely like keep going for a whole nother hour (laughs) um so i just have a couple of questions uh left for you do you have um any um resources that you use outside of your blog for people who are who are starting on their gluten-free journey? Um, I mean, honestly, I just Google things when I don't know. So just go, you don't even have to go to people's websites usually. They have these little snippets at the top. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you can just Google how do I start a gluten-free diet Mm -hmm. and it'll come up with a list for you of some really good ideas. Um, Awesome. And I mean, Google is really, I mean, if you've got a smartphone, you've always got Google with you. And so you always have a way to check something. Yeah. Um, if you're in the store, they do have scanners. 
I'm mm-hmm. not impressed with how accurate the scanners are, though. Agreed. Yeah. But if you bring your smartphone with you, you can go to the manufacturer's website mm-hmm. while you're in the store mm-hmm. and look up what they have to say about gluten-free. It's usually in their FAQ section. Yes. Okay. In their FAQ section. Um, and so how do people get a hold of you? Where do you hang out on social media or? Yeah, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram, just sweet and savory time, time okay. spelled like the herb, T-H-Y-N-E. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I've got the, I have the blog, I've got Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Awesome. And we'll link all of those in the show notes as well. Um, and then my, my last question is, what does wealthy mean to you? I think that wealthy is a really loaded term in a lot of ways for it because it can mean so many different things to so many different people. Mm-hmm. I think that um, in a lot of ways, being wealthy is with your health. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can, if you are gluten free and you have been able to regain your health, then I think that you have gained a lot of wealth mm-hmm. in that as well. Um, and you know, at the point where you are able to have enough money to meet basic expenses. Yeah. Because there is that point where you, you after you're able to meet basic expenses, mm-hmm. such as food and shelter and all of those sort of things, then um, after you get to that point, wealthy can get really, ambi- you know, it, it, it can get just really... Um, unclear as to what that means and mm-hmm. that can mean just a lot of different things and I don't think that someone who is struggling to meet their basic needs telling them that um, you can be wealthy if you have good health is yeah. helpful <laughs> right. um, or necessary um, but we're talking about as far as after you are able to meet those basic needs mm-hmm. and know and have that stability, you know, then having that, having that, um, having your health is the form of Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Wanting to Wealthy podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you and all of your support. It means the world to me. I would love to continue the conversation over on Instagram at wanting to wealthy. You can always send me a DM with thoughts, questions, ideas for future podcasts, or anything else you would like to share with me until next time.